Welcome to episode 304 of the Overlook Hour. I'm your host, Mark Little. Along with me, as always, is the man sitting at the table across from me. He is wearing a black long-sleeved t-shirt. I will not tell you what is on that black long-sleeved t-shirt because, frankly, just between us, between us girls, it's disgusting. It's Russell John, the fisherman. Why? You know, honestly, it is kind of foul. <laughs> it's super foul. <laughs> Hello, everyone. No, yeah, it's um, Oksana. I got mad at her because I thought she got me a, a Christmas gift. Yeah. But I, actually, it turns out I just ordered this sweatshirt months ago, and she, like, fake gave it to me. We don't do gifts for each other. Our gift is the eternal love and uh, the fact that we were able to find our soulmates on this planet. So that's it. No more gifts. Right? Ever? <laughs> All right. Well, I re- <laughs> while I remove the vomit from my throat, I will introduce Oksana Valerinova Osachi. Hi. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It is a new year. Yep. First episode of the year. <laughs> I don't like your enthusiasm. <laughs> you're gonna need to. You're gonna need to dial that back. Okay. I I don't want to read your very loud T-shirt. Today. It's just neon green. Yeah. Or just read my left arm. Yeah. On his left arm of this said sweatshirt, it says "Warning: Goth Girls Only." <laughs> And to dude, Randy us, gets it to dude. bring us in and uh, provide his commentary on this ridiculous beginning of this ridiculous year known as 2022. <laughs> it's Randy Michael Staff. That's me. Welcome to uh, yeah, 2022. I couldn't recognize actually anything on your T-shirt because it's in what I call two metal to read font. <laughs> <laughs> Although I do think I see a Stussy sign on it. Dude, there's a lot of shit going on here. It's very big. Just for the uh, for the record, I'm currently also wearing another uh, plain T-shirt. It is not white. It is now gray, and it has a pocket T, or it has a pocket on the uh, chest. Do you like a you like a pocket T? I do. Yeah. Sometimes I'll throw the uh, the mask in there, you know, or I don't know. It's got utility. I'm gonna tell you right now. I've become more of the pocket T guy myself, or just pockets in general. You know, I put lighters in there. Yeah. I put, I put Vax cards in nice. there. You got to start rolling up your sleeve to put the camel lights you carry around with you. Hell yeah. That's Greaser style? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. And and go in. <laughs> One ticket for West Side Story, please. <laughs> I mean, I'm in my cool long sleeve today, but you're dressed like you're a... Uh, damn it. What was the reference I made earlier that was good? I dress like I'm fucking cool. Like you're on the waterfront. Yeah, except now I got my cocaine dealer. Is that Frank Capra? Frank Capra? Is it? No, No, that's Ilya Kazan. Ilya Kazan. Uh, The godfather of, uh, what is it? What's that style of acting? (laughs) What? The one Marlon Brando. You're thinking the actor. You were, we named the director. Marlon Brando. I'm thinking the director. Ilya Kazan. Ilya Kazan. Yeah, he's the godfather of, uh, Propaganda? No. Getting blacklisted? Method acting. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Is he? Yeah. Yeah. I learned that in uh, one of my very learned classes that I took. Oh, what, from Skyline? The, uh, yeah, Where I did think you so. go? I did think you it go was Skyline? Skyline. Oh, it was, what was it? City what did, College. I went to City. You, you, don't, <laughs> <laughs> you don't remember hey, what community college I you went take to. it very fucking seriously, if you haven't noticed. Yeah. He's the godfather of uh, the thing. I already forgot what I called it. James this Brown? is the problem. You can't eat before we record. And I mean, I you eat all the time. You I can't can eat before we record. I know. 
I no, I don't eat. I'm not going to eat in 2022. <laughs> Dude, I thought about starting off with a 72-hour fast. Well, you're an idiot. I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to do it once a month. What's the longest you fasted? Um, on purpose? <laughs> yeah. Actually, I think We've I've gone this conversation I've gone over 48 hours. I did in high 48? school. 48? Yeah. It was the burrito battle I did in high school with a friend. I don't know what that means. Uh, we broke on a burrito because his oh. mom bought him one, and he was like, dude, I'll split it with you if we call 40, the truth. I did, I've done 24. Yeah, but I thought it was hallucinating. Clearly, I wasn't. No, I think you certainly are. Uh, you do you probably were. No, 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 no. You start to feel euphoric. I'll tell you that. There's like this moment of clarity after 24 hours that I've hit before where it's kind of like lights like look different. You're like, whoa. I never hit, hit that. Really? I think you no. took mushrooms. No, I did not. Were you drinking water through these? <laughs> Uh yeah, no, no water, no calories is what you're trying to go for. I would even have um coffee, but like, I mean, when you were in high school. Oh um yeah probably, I don't know. I've been tired. bad at drinking water my whole life. Why? I'm, that's my resolution <laughs> in 2022. It's it's you know the oil for your body. I know, but I'm also bad at changing the oil on my car. So that's yeah, fair. Similar theme. How are you with the oil change? Dude, I never drive my car. That's so, true. like, I haven't had an oil change in, let's call it a year, but I'm still okay. Yeah. Yeah, you mostly got to worry, worry about your battery now. I know. I crank it up every now and again. I know. <laughs> you crank it off every now and then, too. <laughs> I jerk off my car? Is that the implication? That's what it? I was, I mean, sort of. What is this, Titan? <laughs> yeah. Dude, imagine me dancing on that car <laughs> like the girl type day. Dude, that'd be hot. I'd be, I would be into that. Randy, what did you do for New Year's? I just realized. I um, went to a I local drinking hole by myself and had a, uh, a drink, and I did the New York Times uh, mini crossword puzzle of the day. <laughs> and I read about 30 pages of a sci-fi novel, and then I actually met uh, strangers there and ended up talking to people. Whoa. Okay. And I also uh, got my dick. Did up. a shot with said people. Whoa. Shot of what? Whiskey. Oh, I, th- I was going to guess Pfizer. What? <laughs> <laughs> my I already God. got three. <laughs> yeah, it was good though. <laughs> and I was in the house by 11, baby. What? So you did it wrong. No, I did it right because what I did is I came home, I took some, not a sponsor, but I took some liquid IV oh, God. and then yeah. I ate and then I waited till I was like mostly sober before I went to bed. So I didn't feel like shit in the morning Oh my! because I knew I would be up at like seven regardless. <laughs> did you stay up till 12 or you peaced out? I was up till about like 1230. Okay. Not on purpose. <laughs> I also had to watch the uh, finale of John Wilson. Uh, season two. What? It's over already? Yeah, How many episodes? six episodes. Oh, God. What the fuck is that? I think I've only seen three. Wait, I want to hear more about the strangers you were talking to. Did you initiate or did they come over and like, hey, what's the book, nerd, and like hit it out of your hand? <laughs> Mostly that. I got bullied into talking to people. They're like, you're going to drink this fucking shot, dude. Yeah, they're like, hey, what's up with this beta over here reading a book by himself? <laughs> Paperback no, everyone was very friendly. I don't remember anybody's names, actually, though, but they did were cool. Ex- did you exchange um, social media? 
Uh, no, sir. Oh, that's what you got to do now. Fuck the phone numbers. That's too much of a commitment. Just be like, hey, you on Instagram? And then, you know. Now, I like this late 90s uh, bar experience Randy just had. I don't, you know. Hey, they live in the neighborhood. Maybe, you know, we'll just run into them again one day. No. I did see one of the people on his bike the next morning, which was odd. Oh. Bicycle or motorcycle? Unicycle? Bicycle. Of course. <laughs> Hoverboard or scooter? Rickshaw? Yeah. <laughs> All right. What did you That's do about on it. Years, Clark? Uh, I was asleep by 9.30. All right. That checks out. Hell yeah. uh, we hung out with Oksana's parents and... um. Her mom, not wanting to see everybody in New York looking grim and depressed, put it on the country countdown in Tennessee. (laughs) And uh, I'll tell you, it was a pretty shocking contrast. It's like a tightly filled bar with a bunch of people singing country and like partying. And you go over to like uh, the New York Times celebration and uh, just a sad commercial. It was (laughs) it was a little gaunt, but uh I don't know. It was it was a weird experience. What time zone was the country uh, countdown on? Because I believe uh, Tennessee is in two time zones. Correct. Yeah, I'm well, not it's sure. Nashville. It's, uh, it was that, Nashville. Is that Eastern? I don't know. It's been a while since I've been to actually Nashville. Maybe Central. I think it might be. <laughs> I think it is. There's an well, easy way to find this out. It. <laughs> <laughs> it's Central. All right. I'm glad we <laughs> figured that. Uh, we unraveled that enigma. Pertinent information. Indeed. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. It was kind of fun. We're going to solve big mysteries here in 2022. It was, it was interesting watching their uh, country performances. Of, of course, I have no idea. What who country stars? Um, Toby Keith. O- Oxon, help me out. Uh, that, that couple that used to be married? Yeah. Who are that they? Couple that used to be married. I, oh, I honestly thought you would have got it. Tammy Wynette and George Jones. No, okay. No, Kim really. and Kanye. <laughs> Kim and Kanye. If they were doing country, I would have tuned in. Blake Shelton and Gwen Stefani. It was, wasn't it Blake Shelton and and the country singer he used to date. Oh yes, or married to yeah. Uh, Miranda yep. Lambert. Lambert. Yeah, she played right before him. Oh, yeah. So her family was up on the gossip, but not a fan of the music. So everybody kept complaining about the music. I'm like, I don't know. That's whatever. My yeah. mom only likes country from the 80s and 90s. Yeah. That seemed to be the consensus in oh, the room. Yeah. Honestly, the female vocalist in country, I'm like, eh, I'm kind of into this. I like it. Well, yeah. So uh, America thought the same thing. And then they stole Taylor Swift. I don't know. <laughs> Did they? She was country. I feel like that's just the new model. We're like, Miley, you got to jump around. The genres, and then what are you, House of Pain? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the House of Marketing Pain. Like they they figured out how to hit every niche market. Well, I guess is there a niche market when you're talking pop music? Mm-mm. Talk about you know. I went down a rabbit hole. I haven't been in an internet rabbit hole in I feel years. But today, you know who I got stuck like Google. I think there's so much shit we had to do today. Kevin Bacon. Also, I didn't get out of bed till very late. I apologize, Randy. But I was doing some... Oh, where's my apology, bitch? Uh, I'm sorry, Oksana. I was in bed way too long, and it brought her down with me. Do you know who I was Googling? Who? Fiona Apple. Why? I don't Hell know. Hell yeah. I just realized I had a blank spot there, and I'm like, you know, I kind of... Actually, I do know why. Because you know how every company, now there's like boutique markets, and they'll have like shirts of weird designs. Somebody did a Fiona Apple Joan of Arc, and she was in front of uh, a wall of skulls from the French um, catacombs. And I'm like, I kind of want that shirt, but I'd be a poser if I 
I don't know Fiona Apple at all. I don't think I can name a single Fiona Apple song. The I'm, only Fiona Apple song I think I could name, I don't think is a Fiona Apple song. No, dude. And that's Tom's Diner. Yeah. No. That, who is that? Marilyn Manson wrote a song about her, though. It's weird. He's come up dun, twice dun, already. Dun, dun, bum, 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 Suzanne bum, Vega. Bum, yep. Okay. <laughs> no, dude. And I, I started reading this uh, Rolling Stones article, and I started looking at, like, one of the things was her uh, acceptance award when she first got it. And is, she, is she holding it up these days? I don't. She didn't look great, but... um. She's an interesting artist. I couldn't recommend her music oh, because looks, I don't remember. She looks like a divorce, you know, sad mom. Yeah, she looks kind of like an old So kid. you're down? I'm kind of into that. I think you'd be into her. She seems kind of like a intellectual rebel, which uh, you're into as you've um, subscribed to the Red Scare podcast. So I was a- <laughs> Or the Patreon. I get those kind of vibes. Where she, she's an outspoken woman and she's self-aware. Uh, Fiona Apple quit cocaine after hangout with Paul Thomas Anderson. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I think I've read that <laughs> at least before, too. And Tarantino. I saw that article. I didn't click on it. I was uh, mostly interested with her reflecting on her rape when she was 12 and uh, kind of working through how it's changed her as an adult. Sure. I was really interested in it. I mean, sad fucking story. It well, happened. I mean, you know. Well, it happened right outside of her apartment. And um, she talked she about had an apartment when she was 12, well, her parents, but oh, she was getting sense. into it from school. And uh, there are three locks on the door and she got two of them open before the dude like got her. And her dog was on the other side of the door barking. And she thinks the dog saved her life because the dude probably would have brought her in, except he's like, well, I'm not going to go in there with the dog. So, uh, yeah, it just happened in the hallway. Oh, brutal. Super interesting, though. So I'm a fan. I, cu- I again, I don't know her music. So, you know, I'll probably add that on Spotify. Yeah, so I laid in bed today doing that. Sorry about that. Because <laughs> I know Randy texted everybody at like, what, 10? You're like, what the hell's going on today? Or I think you said what? A couple t- times. Yeah, because you went out to buy Dino Kale. What the hell were you talking about, Clark? Yeah, was, you know, he's like, uh, get some groceries. I'm like, what are you getting fucking ancient grains and Dino Kale? Is that a real thing? Dino Kale? Dinosaur yeah. Kale, yeah. Did the dinosaurs plant it? I don't know why it's called dinosaur. Okay. <laughs> it's fossilized. It looks like wrinkled testicles. Now I know how you know about it. It looks cool. You, you drop some of that uh, dehydrating powder you love so much on them. Or yeah. hydrating powder. Thank you so much. Uh, this show is not sponsored by Liquid IV. Liquid IV. <laughs> We're here for you. All right. Are we, are we ready to... All right. Again, it's a new year, but is it still the same old shit? What do you mean? With fucking... Every year's the same. He's got his name? Oh my god. No, no, no. I was just trying to think of, you know, an appropriate way to say a a doddering old man who's slowly losing his mind. Well, I mean, he didn't sound great in the pre-show meeting, but his ideas are there. He, He is an enigma. Unlike the time zone in Tennessee. By the yeah. way, you, you caught me onto a, um, a sculptor, a sculptor this week. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Ron Merck? 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 It's like M-E-U-C-K or yeah, something. Yeah, it's very, it's, I don't know how to say it. But I did some YouTube research on that gentleman. Uh-huh. And um, guess who paid him a visit at one of his uh, installations? Epstein. One David Lynch. Oh, Epstein was my number two guest, Randy. And Lynch was like, 
I think this sculpture shows that this couple just had an argument. And the wife knows that it's over. And the husband is like, well, I'm old. <laughs> so maybe we can make it work. Dude, that was great. And it's four minutes of that. And it's pretty good. <laughs> well, I mean, when he's not making the art, I would like to see, you know, you could learn a lot from what he gets from art. That's pretty interesting. Also, I got turned on to that guy because I also had a quandary this week where uh, I don't know why, but if I read a book, it only means something if it's logged on Goodreads. Yeah. And I had that challenge, the 20 book challenge, and it was jipping me two books. Like I read them, but it wasn't counting them. So I woke up early on uh, New Year's Eve to read two more books <laughs> so I could actually be acknowledged by Goodreads. And uh, one of them I pulled out was an art book which Oksana instantly called me on. She said, there aren't any words in that book. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but if you take the time and reflect on the images, it counts. <laughs> well, there are barely words in John Grisham books. So it's, oh, you know, <laughs> that's a shot I don't understand, but I'm sure people will appreciate it. I've read too many John Grisham books. Um, so the book that I learned about that uh, dude who does giant mannequin people, yeah, uh, it was in Little People in the City. It's the art of a dude named Slinkachoo. <laughs> Good Christian name. And uh, he would do miniature people, glue them to the ground in like urban. These are all shot in London. And then, you know, just frame them up. It, it, it's cool. But in the in the intro, they mentioned that dude. And I was like, eh, I'm going to Google him right now. Yeah, that guy's great. Which, again, you mentioned to me, you listened to a book on tape today. Yeah. Or, or I'm sorry. What do you call it now? Audible. An audible. And uh, I think that's the big difference for me. If I'm in the middle of doing something, I can't just like pause it and then Google. Yeah, I'm already one book in in 2022, dude. Yeah, you're you're beating me. Yeah. By the way, uh, I I I'm now I'm back on Goodreads. Mm -hmm. I had to clean some shit up because last time I was on Goodreads was ten years ago. I, I noticed. Damn. <laughs> and, um, and you had two books logged. No, I had a bunch of. I, I had to delete some stuff. I was like, I, <laughs> "Why did I review all of the C.S. Lewis Narnia books?" And you deleted them? Yeah. What the fuck? No, it was dumb. Dude, that's a gem. And plus, it's like, I, I, uh, so what? I read The Great Gatsby. That's Wait, gone. So okay, hold on. When you reviewed them, did you actually write a review or just a star? Just a star. I'm like, there's oh, no way. Okay. How could I have possibly? I read those when I was like eleven. Are you just trying to pad your numbers? I think I was 10 years ago, and I'm it. like, and not, not 2022, baby. I, I thought about it. There are books, when I go on my shelf, I'm like, I read that. I could probably read it. No, but I'm like, it, it has to stand out to me. Like, there are certain books on there that I have, I've left of, like, I read Of Mice and Men 20-something years ago, but I still remember it vividly. So, that's staying in there. What else did you have on there? Uh... I had a Richard Wright book that left an impression on me oh, when I was a kid. Damn uh, it. Probably should have read that when I was a kid, but I did, and it was cool. Um, just classic literature stuff. Man, I was going to try and find you, so I just did a Google Clark Little Goodreads. Yeah. Your fucking boy, he muddies up all the Google searches He's for He's on Goodreads? Yeah, dude, he wrote a book, The Shore Break, Art of Clark Little. <sighs> Scumbag. So if you, if you're new to the show, there's another Clark Little. He's a world famous surf photographer. He's also big on like TikTok, I'm sure. 
where he takes videos of like sea turtles and shit and they go viral. And um, one a long time ago, he did reach out to our Clark Little and said, hey, what's up, Clark Little? Yeah, 15 years ago <laughs> on Facebook. <laughs> and then blame my mom. She's the one. She made him a breakout. She was wor- this is her story, by the way. She's working at Hawaiian Airlines. He came up, gave her a print, which is in the room right now. It's up there framed. And he signed it for her. And she went, oh, this is really good. And I guess, I don't know. This is what she said. And I'm, par- I'm paraphrasing, so don't get mad at me when you hear this. But I guess she, she told him about some magazine in Hawaii. And then he had come back later and was like, hey, that recommendation you gave me, it's really working out. And now he's quit his job and he's a millionaire. And he was like, peace. Yeah, he did a documentary about himself with Eddie Vedder. It, is that real? Yeah. Well, how have we never covered that? We've talked about it. We yeah. have. Okay. We've Wait, done hold on. I'm going to make a, a note. Time. I do. Clark Little, Eddie Vedder. Dude. Anyway, to circle back on what I was saying. So I, I was back on Goodreads. Russell Fisher, you have just uh, today put on Goodreads that you were going to read 50 books. 50 books, yeah. You got to up the, the goal, man. Oh, no. Right, that's pretty high. I did 22, and I started, I think, halfway Russell, last year. Russell, that's like it's a book a four week. books a month. It's a book a week. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, man, what? I got to, if I'm, I can't be, st- look, humans either rise to the occasion like or it. they sink to it. Or I, I'm messing up two different quotes. Sink or though. swim. No. Randy, you should know. It's a corporate thing. Randy, how many books did you read last year? I didn't keep a track. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> like five. Are you going to try to read more books this year? Maybe. I always say I do, though, and I never do, so I'm not going to get ahead of myself. <laughs> Take that as a personal shot. Have you read Oxygen Thief yet? No, I'm still trying to finish another book before. Yeah, I, you know, and for people that work a nine to five, like a regular one where you have two breaks and a lunch, unlike these corporate uh, white collar fucks that I work with, actually, all of you are like that. <laughs> the key that I figured out was read on the 10 minute break. I do it. And man, I make so much progress. It also eliminated my need to get to a chapter because when I read, I'm like, if I don't stop at a chapter or at a clear point, I'm not going to remember what's going. Ugh, fuck that. I stop middle of the page. As long as it's on the left and the first paragraph, I'm good. So just do it. Just read. Also, I feel like I'm more interesting now that I read. Also, it's a shame that y'all only have 10 minute breaks. We have 15. Oh, do you? Nice. Well, I know Arizona's kind of like the Wild West out there, right? It's not just Arizona, dude. Well, California, you know, we have those strict fucking work guidelines. I know. I, I have to remind everyone to take their break. Yeah. So I'm not trying to get sued, baby. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Read. And then, uh, I was like, do you know how many class action lawsuits I've been involved in? Really? Because people don't take their breaks. Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah. For companies I hadn't yeah. been with for years. Yeah. And it's like, oh, do you want dollar yeah, uh, seventy bikes? Yeah, okay. Jeez. Like, not yeah, on, not I, on my watch. Baby. I always wonder who's the person that actually went through with it. We're a nation of rats. Well, I mean, when you're back I don't know if I want to press back on that or not. You don't? No, because honestly, I think for all the people that get kind of taken advantage of in that field, it's the ones who like really weren't. Like I remember a dude tried to sue a company we worked for, and he was one of the worst employees. Yeah. But also someone did sue the company we used to work for, and I got $4,000. That's right. Thank you. That was the one time we had a good payday. Yeah, it was tight. (laughs) Four grand? I think I I got a little bit less than that. Four grand. Yeah. All right. All right, are we good? Yep. He's got a flight to catch. We got to let him go. Bring him in. All right.
Good morning. It's January 2, 2022, and it's a Sunday. This will be day nine. And the final day of riding the fun work train through the land of holiday projects. <laughs> Tomorrow morning, this train will pull into the back at it station. Oh, <laughs> God. Everyone. Okay. Have a great day. Dude, honestly, I, I really like them. Okay. I, I like that. Is he sucking on a lozenge? I don't know. <laughs> we got to turn his mic volume down. He had a little old man mouth in that one. Dude, a little? His dentures were halfway out. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm starting to get it a little bit sometimes, too. Oh, my God. <laughs> you're, get, you're getting old man mouth? I think so, yeah. Is the humidity in Atlanta, Georgia doing it to you? No, if anything, I feel like because my mouth gets dry sometimes. What you gum? Yeah, what? true. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Eat more pussy or something. I think chewing gum's kind of loud on a podcast, though. <laughs> no, it'll make you cooler. Dude. Turn your mic down. I mean, that's the key. Or, I don't know, we, we could probably get better equipment. Although, you know, I say that. Having, you know, I'm talking into the mic that we first got when we were, like, conceiving the show. Look at Randy in his room. What the fuck? It, your computer's like a goddamn transformer that keeps evolving every week. <laughs> what do you have? Ugh. Yeah, I don't know. His setup looks amazing. And we're on a picnic, a plastic picnic table and one that came out of a Goodwill. Yeah, but it's St. Vincent. A one man's trash, you know? Yeah, I know. St. Vincent? The recording DePaul. artist? St. Vincent. Great artist. Isn't, wait, that is right, right? Mm -hmm. Now I'm mm -hmm. second guessing it. All right, are you ready? We got an angry email to deal with, if you remember last week. Oh, all right. Yeah, so uh, last week we, we teased that uh, the, the most popular and uh, best segment on the show, the TBR Report, had an angry um, email to come back at Clark for saying that it's time to cancel the show. So let's get into it. All right, here we go. All right, I'll just, uh, you know, our found footage adventurer, Thomas Burke, I'll jump right into it. Um, Thomas writes, guess we're skipping 22. That's cool. 23 is my lucky number anyway. He's referring to the conversation me and Oksana had and the debate we had with Thomas about what number TBR report is, which doesn't even really matter <laughs> because it was mostly to categorize for segments to put on YouTube, which we haven't even started yet. So whatever. Um, Clark. Yes. Quit talking smack about our segment. Otherwise, Lynch is going to have another field day with us about worker relation protocols. Please don't make me waste another Saturday on this because I know what you're thinking and you can't deflect this. Lynch is the knower of all truths. Please don't slander word from the Holy One. Okay, back to biz. What? <laughs> Thomas, Thomas, I'm saying this from my heart. Go to sleep. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, Thomas continues. Brace yourselves, and I say that to Russell and Oksana, because this one feels too avant-garde for Mr. Track Jacket Enthusiast. Yeah! <laughs> but I have, I have discovered a really neat found footage film made by Academy Award winning director, uh, drumroll, Bong Joe-ho. Bong Joe-ho. Bong, Bong, Bong Joon-ho. Joon Ho. Yeah. Titled, 
Influenza. Oh, God. For those who may not know, this is the same director who made Parasite, The Host, Okja, Snowpiercer. Influenza. Uh, are you not going to say his best movie? I'm just reading the email. Good job, Thomas. You missed Memories of Murder. <laughs> All right. Okay. His best <laughs> banger. His, his best banger. Uh, Tom continues, Influenza is a 28-minute sh- short film captured entirely through CCTV footage and security cameras, tracking one man's descent into a life of crime. I don't watch this, dude. You walked in and looked and then walked out and I was thinking, should I have told Clark? You didn't tell me. I know, because I thought it would play better. So, way to fucking miss out on your favorite director, Bong Joon-ho. Well, Michael Moore's my favorite director. Evil Bong (laughs) Joon-ho is also one of my favorite directors now. Oh. Dude, Evil Bong Joon-ho is going to be our shirt. That's pretty good. Uh, What shocked me the most about this one was just how realistic everything felt, from the social struggles to the acts of violence. This was just a thoroughly intelligent and entertaining film to watch, so I highly recommend checking out Influenza, available on the Criterion channel as well as YouTube. Let me know what you think. Um, He signs off Thomas Burke, W-A-D-N-C-T-T-B-R-R-O-E-I-B-O-M-B-D-B. We are definitely not canceling the TBR reports, or else it will be over my dead body. Love you all. Clark, let's make out. Well, if you don't get some sleep. I, yeah, it will be over your dead body. Now, um, love you, Tom. Now he mentions it's on YouTube. Don't do that one. There's a uh, Russian dude doing a VO translating. I tried; it didn't work. So we did a um, uh, trial subscription to the Criterion channel. Oh god! And uh, hell yeah! I don't know, man. Criterion now it starts to feel like homework to me. Like we were, really? flipping, we were, yeah, we were going through it, and I'm like, ah. I don't know. Is that weird? Am I the only one that feels like, oh, here's a Criterion film. Uh, here's your tome of history that you need to appreciate <laughs> to understand the subtleties of this Ozu film and the relationship between young Japan and old Japan. Also, this film is mostly people just eating dinner. So uh, have some coffee with you. And I say that as a fan of this type of shit, but I don't. It's the extra like. I don't know, weight added by the Criterion channel, which in this case I thought was pretty interesting because uh, with with that setup I just gave, you might think that a CCTV film about a life into crime and social commentary would be boring. But uh, dude, Bong, uh, he kills this one. We start off with bathroom footage and there's a uh, man in a suit. Was Chuck Berry there? I uh, don't understand the reference, but I'm sure it was Chuck great. Chuck Berry used to have a restaurant where he would put cameras in the women's <laughs> restroom. <laughs> okay, well, this was the male's restroom. So uh, so we're, we're, we meet a dude who's, uh, he's got the vibe of a door-to-door salesman, and he's trying to market a glue. Now, we know this because all of the CCTV footage in here has audio, which um, is, is good. It helps. And... The angles in this fucking short are incredible. So the one we have, we get kind of uh, on the right side of our frame, we have a line of bathroom stalls and urinals. And people are coming in and out. You can't see any of the junk from the way it's positioned. But uh, there's, it's almost like the fucking Twin Peaks lobby over here. As there's like military men in fatigues coming through. There's like old people that are almost like comically old. It, it's just everybody. And the whole time our character's in the mirror kind of practicing a pitch for this glue. He's got an empty uh, coffee can and a belt. And his whole thing is this instant glue is uh, perfect and instant. Here, let me show you examples. And it's just him 
failing to make the glue feel believable because it it sticks, but it doesn't hold very well. So he's just going over and over and over. And every now and then he'll turn around and kind of pitch it to the people in the bathroom. And uh, it's entertaining. And as a, as a fan of like static security camera found footage or like direct cinema kind of, um, I don't know, horror commentary, movies like Hangman, they can be a little stale. And part of that feels by design. This movie at no moment feels boring or slow. He's talented filmmaker. Well, the thing is, it's the editor. And it's one of the things that we always talk on here, where an editor is an important character in found footage. And it's because if we're going through, you know, 70... 70- I, wish, I wish the editor had a bigger play in this show. <laughs> yeah, we got to <laughs> hire one. Um, when we have like 72 hours of footage that we're distilling down into a movie, you normally run up against... Um, it's like the opening prompt of the film. Like the Blair Witch isn't a tight film. And I think that really set the stage for a lot of found footage. It's tight this it's way. It's tight that way, yeah. Um I did the hang hang uh hang ten sign. Hang ten. It's radically tight. <laughs> Tubular. And uh there are other films that like um I can never remember the name of it. There was an LA film that almost went out of its way to have nothing on frame and uh it was just, it was trying to capture verisimilitude in a painful way. Here, this is tightly edited, and we're following the um, descent of a character into crime. So we open up in a bathroom and we go to a subway where he's jumped. And we're not sure why, but it actually, did, was he jumped or dragged away by police? Uh, it looked like he was trying to pedal the glue or something on the subway. And they threw and him out. Yeah, they, the police dragged him out of the station. They threw him out. His stuff got dumped on the street, and then. I'll tell you, Randy, the Brian De Palma double, like split screen, has never been better executed than in this movie. On the subway, we have two cameras that are aimed at each other, but very far apart. And just the way that it plays with uh, distance and perspective is incredibly fun. Like we see our character walking the screen, but you don't know it's him until he gets in range of the camera that he's walking towards. And it's kind of hard to explain, but every shot. The frames are used beautifully. And with static camera and CCTV, you really got to paint uh, creatively. You know, you got to use a lot of creativity on your small canvas. So in here, we got a cool split screen. Later on, um, there's a lot of ATM footage as our character starts robbing old people at the ATMs. What about ATA footage? Wait, what is that a reference to? ATAT. Okay, the, okay. Thank you so much. Um, I should power through those from now on. <laughs> ATM footage. One of them, there's this beautiful scene where we have a security camera up in the corner and a camera on the ATM. And it, it, the way that it tells the story, because we have a close-up and we get to watch him looking over at the person next to him as he's trying, I don't know what he's doing, but he's not getting any money out of this machine. And we can almost watch it happen on his face and it feels all organic. When he tries, uh, when he decides, I'm just going to take their money. And the way that the security camera in the room was facing, there's an exterior window. Because we're in one of those, like, lockdown at night rooms. So you can be in there alone and prevent this kind of thing. And, uh, you know, when he robs them and leaves, you can see him outside. The whole short is beautifully crafted like that. I'm going to, I'm going to, yeah, this is, this is great. I um, highly recommend it. And I did look around trying to find an alternative to the Criterion channel, and I just can't. There, there isn't one. So if you have the Criterion channel, check it out. I don't know if you want to 
like I don't know, blow your load on the 14 day trial right now for Gross. it. But um, I don't know. Maybe I should look at it. Maybe next week I'll I'll pull something from Criterion. And I, I am kind of poo pooing the uh, boutique, but it is that is kind of where I got my first uh, taste of collecting. I think in like a serious way was through Criterion. The oh. original Nightmare Alley is on there currently. Ooh. Oh, okay. See, but is that fair? Like just acknowledging something's put out by Criterion as being now worthwhile? Because they, even by their own standard, when we've seen them in person, uh, and they've admitted, hey, our catalog isn't that prestigious. There's some titles yeah. out there, you know. Okay, but they know that they are tastemakers. I know. And yet they still went with like Michael Bay. I mean, they also admit, admittingly <laughs> told us that, you know, they got to sell, they well, got to move some copies. I would have been more interested if they had used the argument that Michael Bay is the death of cinema and um, that he should be included. Oh, by the way, boys and girls, Michael Bay has a new movie coming out. Yep. Yours truly will be seeing the. I was about to say out. it doesn't look bad. It looks good. Well, it's called Ambulance. And the L.A. and ambulance is highlighted because it, it's about <laughs> a robbery. It's a heist. Does it? Is it in-world camera at all? There may be a little snippet. Okay. <laughs> but you got you got a Gyllenhaal. You got Candyman. Oh, Tony Todd. No, the new Candyman. Oh, I mean, I guess that's better, honestly. And he's the new Morpheus. Oh, dude. Okay. Uh, well, let's wrap this up then. I now Ambulance. now that you brought it up here, I can only think of it in like it's captured in like CCTV because it's like a robbery throughout an urban, like a sprawling urban center. It looks good. I just I like it when directors play with this format. And honestly, I feel like Michael Moore is already flirting with it. Michael Bay. Michael Bay. Thank you. So yeah, much. not Michael Moore. Uh-huh. Uh No, yeah, because Michael Bay. The, the reason people say he's the death of cinema is because he's not creating a narrative with like the control of a lens he's capturing it with like an army of cameras and kind of finding it in the editing room which i mean i kind of make the argument for here because with this film it's so tight and it's enjoyable in an unbelievable way like reality doesn't play out this interesting all the time but when you have an in uh, an editor and even online you'd be like hey i cut together a highlight reel of this guy's descent into darkness and uh i posted on reddit perfect bam that counts as a found footage movie bad boys is a good picture and you know what was the movie we watched um where the whole concept was uh pen Gillette is an editor and has recontextualized the film and does a vo over it that's a great movie well what was it called mm-hmm. director's cut director's cut it's uh adam rifkin adam, i believe I, yeah who i've been trying to get on this show for 37 yeah years. but he doesn't want to fuck with us I talk to him daily. I mean, honestly, I'd love to have him on here. We could do an extra long TBR episode, and we can talk about format. You would only <laughs> want to talk about Small Soldiers. I, d- I don't even remember the movie, honestly. Really? Yeah, I don't. Small but soldiers, I would love to sorry. talk about Director's Cut, because, again, that's a, f- a film where it's like somebody bought a, a DVD, recorded a VO over it, and then resold the movie, recontextualized. Like, how, do, how is that not a thing already? I feel like you could make a whole boutique out of recontextualizing movies. Actually, our homie um, Birdman, Charlie Dickey, who's the third guest host on the show, turned me on to Racer Trash, which is literally that. It's vaporwave repurposing of old movies. And um, I believe it started with the Speed Racer film. 
And I mean, even then, Simon Barrett was one of the contributors and Adam Wingard jumped in there. So again, uh, postmodernism, what does it mean? Somebody explain it to me because I think that's <laughs> what I'm trying to talk about here. Anyway, I, that's it. Um, Bong Joon-ho, I, I, Bong Joon-ho, I can never fucking get that name right. I highly recommend both of you check it out as it's Criterion Channel, Randy, so you'll love it no matter what. And it's your favorite director, and I kind of sneakily, I, I should have told you, I feel bad about it. Okay. But I was my favorite director. You know I have Criterion Snowpiercer Channel, I could have watched it too. I know, but you wouldn't have. <laughs> is, that, is that my favorite director? Because Snowpiercer is fucking I know. trash. Now, honestly, that was my introduction to him, was you complaining about Snowpiercer. Look, he's great when he, he makes not English movies. Hey, that's true. Great. This is not English. Great. Yeah. So and he's all right. Then he's in his Q zone. All right. He's in the Q zone. And uh, that's going to wrap it up. And Thomas, please don't be mad at Clark. He, uh, he, no. only, he agitates for attention. So he, re- he really loves I you. I like it when people are mad at me. Okay. All right, Thomas. More angry emails, please. This concludes the TBR. This concludes the TBR. It's a good stinger. Yeah, he should do an old man mouth version. Like, (laughs) (laughs) weekend projects. God, dude, David, I hope he keeps talking about that's a good band name. Oh, weekend projects. Weekend projects. You got way too fucking happy about that. That's good. Okay, what are you going to play in this band? Uh, Xylophone. (laughs) (laughs) It could also be like social commentary. Like, Randy, uh, let me ask you this. If I uh-huh. were, again, let's just play, it's 2022, okay? It's, it's imagination town is where okay. we are. So right? we're going to talk about work. Let's occupy, you know, um, Wall, Wall Street. Street. An alternative, <laughs> let's occupy Wall Street <laughs> in an alternative universe that, you know, we're in the hypothetical here, okay? Hypothetically, if I were to procure, again, stay calm, a keyboard. Could I run that through the board? Yeah, you could. Thank you, Randy. It's easy. I mean, anybody could have answered that. I mean, keyboards are usually built for that. No, but I mean, like, with the show and everything. Yeah. Because I figured out a way, soundboard's coming back, but through the keyboard. Yeah! Just don't get a MIDI keyboard, because then you would have to run it through software and then plug it into the board. Yeah. I'm sorry, I just had an aneurysm. What did you just say? He said, don't get a MIDI keyboard. What's a MIDI? It's just a software conflict. So are you, would an analog keyboard work? Yeah, I mean, that or something that has, yeah, like a built-in speaker or sound. Because like my, I have one right here, but I don't want to move it because I have too many things plugged in. Yeah. But I just have like a small, like, it's like three octaves. It's just a MIDI keyboard, and I just plug it into Logic. You're speaking Latin right Logic. now, dude. Yeah, for <laughs> Yeah, we had a micro Korg here for a while. and uh, Logic is my favorite recording artist. So here's the... No, it's not. Here's the thing. I'm worried that if you had a keyboard in front of you... Yeah. Um, I would crush it Your hard. narrow attention span would move into the world of music notation. Okay. First and all, I would lose all this great conversation that I've come to know and depend on. As a reminder, I have read more books this year than you have. <laughs> <laughs> My attention span in 2022 is <laughs> on fire. I don't think Audible counts. You know, I used to it defend counts. it. I used to defend it. I don't think it does. It counts, Randy. I don't think it counts. Yeah. Fuck you. No, and again, it's just because if you're holding a book that eliminates the phone, and the phone is your worst enemy. 
And whenever I, I walk by and I look over your shoulder and you're on fucking Facebook, a little part of me dies. Okay. I'm never on Facebook. You're always on goddamn Facebook. That's I'm trying to get the pulse of our nation. I know. You always know the gossip, but it, it's never good for your mental health. No, I got to get out of there. Yeah, please. I got to get out of everything. Facebook over smoking. Get rid of Facebook, then we'll work on the- No, I'm uh, double down on smoking. <laughs> okay. Oh, what does that mean? I'm two at a time out there. Oh, out there, nicotine patch too. No. Nicotine on the neck? Nicotine, I don't, I don't have a nicotine thing. <laughs> it's not, like it's not, addict 101, it's, it's not about the nicotine. Okay. <laughs> it's about looking <laughs> fucking cool. Dude. So when is the chew coming in? Never. Come on. No, because my, my dad did that, and it was always gross to me. He was he was a snuff guy. Snuff where he, film. he would make he would uh, film women <laughs> and murder them and then spit on them with chew. That's right. And he was like, "It's a family business." He's I'm like, like "Drink the the what do they call it? Spit? They have that like that platoon that goes like bing in all yeah. the cartoons, right? What is that? Sp- spittoon, I think. No, it's not. Is it not? Somebody, a producers, fucking help us. <laughs> a spit bucket. I think it's a spittoon. <laughs> Dude, Spitbuck, it's a great band name. It is Spitoon. It is Spitoon, <laughs> okay. you fuck. I was thinking Damn. Splatoon, Splatoon, the, like the Wii Switch game or whatever. Switch? What happened to you? No more food I for can't you ever. before. I get cloudy brain, man. God. I, I check out of Nintendo after the, uh, the Wii. <laughs> okay, thanks, Randy. <laughs> you fucked with the Wii? Oh, yeah. Mostly just Wii Sports, though. What? <laughs> Were you a wee bowling guy? Yeah, it was easy. Oh my god, I didn't. I didn't. Know, I didn't like the cockiness in that. Yeah, it was right. easy. We were supposed to put this to rest when David Lynch fucking flies out here and starts the show. All this idle banter shit is supposed to be done. He puts the kibosh on it. It's twenty twenty two. It's a new ball game. All right. By the way, uh, brief announcement uh, that is unplanned and unwarranted. I was. Um. The lookies are coming. Oh, I don't know no. when. Probably towards the end of this month. I'm uh, working on some things. Nobody cares. Everybody cares. The, I, uh, it is our most listened episode of every single nope. year. <laughs> you wouldn't like the most liked episode. Also, special guests. The bullshit. All right. I am not just so you know, we're going behind the curtain here. I fucking hate the lookies. I know. Because I hate and that the fucking- makes me love the lookies. <laughs> I hate doing. T- I you know I I don't like the trend this year of like new to me. It's like what are you saying that they're like we live That's in a trend, dude. Everybody's doing my top I- nine new to me. Yeah, not new this year, but new to me. And I'm like, are you I- saying that there were no good movies that came out this year? Because yeah. I think you're just being fucking lazy if that's the case. I I just want to mix things up, so I'm just trying to think of how to keep that segment fresh all right just give me a little bit of a head start because you know now that i'm a book devourer i like to uh critically think about everything in my life we're gonna do it towards the end of the month i need time to reflect you need time for everything i know we started this podcast eight hours before after we were supposed to (laughs) did you eat before I always eat you know that also i read an article that uh septic uh the sewage world has been showing everybody's got COVID. Just wanted to bring that up. What? Yeah. Uh, what? Yeah. What does that mean? And, well, I mean, it means we need to like privatize our sewage. What does that mean? COVID? Are they? Oh, because they they weigh they test poop. What? 
Yeah. You wait, you really didn't know that? No. Yeah, they take Who's uh, they? Uh yeah. sure, the Illuminati motherfucker. They identify. <laughs> I don't know, but the the scientist that was talking about it, it was really funny because he's like, you know, you might be asymptomatic and you wouldn't get a test and we understand you wouldn't, but you're going to (laughs) poop. Like, that's his quote. You're going to poop. So they're like, we're up 536% on the viral thing. And I kept waiting for that article to be like, and everybody's not dead. So this is maybe a good thing. But it, it never goes that far. He, I just thought it was interesting that there was a scientist writing about how excited he is to be testing poop. Gross. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a perfect segue <laughs> for Randy. Tell us about his shit. You probably will think uh, most things I talk about this week are shit. Um, of speaking of things that kind of sound like homework, I, uh, you know... It's uh, it's end of the year. People that are doing their uh, end of the year shows on time have been picking up some things from uh, more pretentious podcasts. What a sneaky, sneaky <laughs> shot. And uh, there's this film on Mubi. I think Mubi is releasing it called Azor. It's uh, Argentinian. I, I think there's a lot of languages spoken in this movie. I know French is spoken. Uh, it's directed by Andreas Fontana. Um, and it is, it takes place in 1980 in Argentina. And uh, it's kind of like a very slow burn political thriller. Um, basically, this guy, uh, his name is spelled Y-V-A-N. I'm just going to say it's Ivan. He's a uh, private banker from Geneva. And uh, he has a partner that like was living in Argentina and kind of doing a uh, you know, probably sketchy banking things there. <laughs> but uh, his partner uh, disappears just randomly. You don't really find out what happened. You potentially do. Uh, but he essentially goes there to kind of like see what's going on and sort of like uh, take over. Um, yeah, there's not a lot of like action or like things that take place in the movie, but there are a lot of kind of interesting and like pretty intimidating looking characters and a lot of like conversations that just feel pretty tense. Uh, there isn't a lot of score, but there's a little bit, um, it's just kind of like pretty sparse, like, uh, kind of synthy stuff. It feels kind of like seventies or eighties almost feels kind of like, um, clockwork orange or something sounds like synth sounds. Um, I don't know. I dug it a lot. The main guy, his name is, uh, it, it, the actor's name is Fabrizio Rongione. Yeah. I'm going to say he's really good. Um, it's pretty much, I'll spoil it for you two. Cause I don't think either of you will watch this. <laughs> it's kind of like a, ends up becoming like a apocalypse now, heart of darkness type of thing. It's kind of like about his like descent into evil. Um, it's got a really good last shot though, but yeah, it was pretty solid. Yeah. Azor. I like the, uh, Art style. I mean, because, you know, when you talk about these things, we just go through on IMDb. Yeah. When you talk about these things, I go into REM cycle sleep, but. Nice. That's not true. You were clearly all over your computer. I don't know what you were looking all at, but I could see it. Computer. Yeah, I could see it in your glasses <laughs> because you also wear <laughs> I can see it too, actually. <laughs> the next movie that feels kind of like homework is uh, a Kiyoshi Kurosawa movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you guys know his stuff? He did like creepy, yeah, and cure. 
Uh, I think creepy maybe no, no. I've seen. Maybe he did creepy. He did Pulse too. Uh, all movies that I know of, but I have never seen. You never saw creepy? I didn't. No. It's long. It I, uh, have intended to watch a lot of his stuff before, but I've just never checked it out. Um, this one is very much like a art housey war drama uh, that takes place in Japan. I believe it's also a period piece. I think it takes place in like 1940. Um, it's pretty good. I didn't love it. It took me maybe like 40 minutes to really get into it. But once you kind of like get kind of wrapped into the story, it's a, uh, it's pretty solid. It's very well made. Um, solid acting and um it gets dark for sure <laughs> um so you know not the uh i don't know maybe you don't want to start or end your day with it but uh it's pretty <laughs> solid yeah i um i definitely am a huge fan of pulse i didn't realize he wrote it or that he was such a prolific what does he do mostly genre or i mean it kind of looks like he does a lot of horror yeah that's what i've known him for um, mostly, but I think maybe the last couple. So I did see his last movie called to the ends of the earth. That was very kind of like art housey drama as well. But basically before that, I had only heard of him as like a horror director. So. Yeah, man, I really liked pulse. Actually, I think when we saw it at, uh, the J horror, like, um, marathon ish thing. Oh, it wasn't really a marathon. It was programming. They did at the Roxy. They might've actually contacted him. Right. I think, so. I think they did like a Q&A with them. It was, it was oh, really? really interesting. Yeah. He made a movie in 1994 called Yakuza Taxi. Oh, that's <laughs> oh, yeah. I, for some reason. I imagine that's brutal. That sounds cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch it. Let's do it. Is it Yakuza or Yakuza? Uh, both. Yakuza. Yeah. I like it when you do that more. Though. Yakuza. Yeah. That's more fun. Depends. Is that cultural <laughs> appropriation? <laughs> what did you say, Randy? Randy. I said, I don't know. Is that cultural appropriation to say it that way? I don't give a fuck. It's 2022. <laughs> Yakuza. Speaking Randy, of 22, right. I saw a 2021 film that I will finish off with. Thank you, Randy. Son. <laughs> we're all, uh, I believe we're all big fans of Rebecca Hall here from uh, The Night House and uh, Christine. Indeed. She wrote and directed a movie that came out last year. Don't forget The Town, Randy. Sure. Love The Town. <laughs> Actually, not a huge fan of the town. It's been a, I don't, maybe only seen it once. It's a cool movie. It's a heist in, in Boston. You All would right. be <laughs> down with a cool guy movie. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Rebecca, Rebecca Hall directed a movie which uh, is on Netflix now called Passing. Um, it does seem kind of like homework or kind of like an art housey drama, but I will say it's like beautifully directed. Um, apparently, she like storyboarded this whole thing. Uh, herself just like in a notebook or something um it's called passing because it is about um lighter skinned black people in uh you know in the u.s or whatever um who can kind of pass for white people um it's based off of a book by the same title uh stars tessa thompson who's really solid i, I saw her in little woods i think was the first thing i saw uh andre holland ruth nega um they're all very, very good uh, in this movie. And yeah, it's a black and white movie, which I don't know if that's, you know, heavy handed to the, uh, the premise of the movie. But essentially, uh, the two main characters, Irene and Claire, uh, they were friends uh, back in the day in Chicago, like when they were growing up. And then uh, they didn't 
you know, see each other or hear from each other for several years. This is based in like 1920, I think, uh, in New York. Uh, and so one day when Claire is at, um, this hotel or something, she meets her old friend, Irene, uh, who is basically passing as a white person. And she's married to like this white guy played by, uh, Alexander Skarsgård. And then after they meet each other again, they kind of like rekindle their like friendship. And then Irene, who is essentially passing for a white person and like living in like white society, um, kind of wants to spend more time Mm -hmm. with her friend, Claire, who she grew up with and kind of like, she kind of misses like what they used to do and like things that black people do instead of her sort of like high society, like thing that she's doing. Um, so they people do Randy. I mean, they go to like a jazz club in it and it's just like really fun. And like, you know, there's a lot of, uh, <laughs> lot of people like she's, it looks like she's living a very, uh, high society, very boring life. Uh, so she's kind of, um, you know, they strike up a friendship again and, uh, it's really good. It's really interesting. Uh, I don't, you know, I'm sure this type of material has been, uh, seen before in movies or TV, but you know, it's kind of a, an interesting subject. And, uh, yeah, the two main actresses, like I mentioned, are very good. Bill Camp's also in this. He does not play an evil person. He plays a a, a good person, essentially. Really? He doesn't have a good person face. I know. I didn't think so either, but he was uh, <laughs> he was good. I like Bill Camp a lot. Um, yeah, and the last shot in this movie is like really, really good stuff. Um, it's, yeah, like I said, the whole thing's black and white. It's in 4-3, and... Uh, I don't know. The ending of the movie kind of, kind of got me. I didn't see it coming. Um, yeah. I wouldn't check out passing. If you got a, uh, Netflix subscription or if you canceled it, like Clark just did again, just canceled it, baby. How do you do that? I'll get it back in March when, uh, formula one drive to survive season four. Returns. <laughs> like, are you saving like $30? Saving like, yeah. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Netflix blows, dude. I don't know. It feels like a lot of work jumping in and out of that all the time. I stay in the zone. All right, Randy. Now, whenever a director is uh, blossoming, it's their new, their first feature, and they have uh-huh. like careers in being an actor or actress. I'm always curious, like what we kind say, of, actor now is 2022. We say what actor. kind of actics? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, when they're an actics, um, what kind of a uh, like vibe like what is the pacing like i'm always super curious if they come in like kind of like really slow paced and a lot of not a lot of editing like because i just heard um sean baker on that podcast you recommended yeah he he was talking about like really trying not to have a lot of cutting in red rocket Mm -hmm. because you know they're just killing it out there and also you know it drains all of the empathy and emotion out of a room and sure. you get to you get to feel the character more. So I'm always curious, like, do actors make act- actor centric movies or was it like really cinematic? Because, I mean, we're doing a black and white thing, too. Uh, it's both. I would say that, you know, her being an actor, um, she probably was able to get really great performances out of, um, you know, the actors like everyone is really, really good in it. But it's also like pretty cinematic, too. I don't know if you've seen the stills like on IMDb or whatever, but. It's a black and white movie, but, and I assume it was shot digitally, but you know how like some black and white digital movies just look like weird or like too clean? Yeah. This doesn't look like it's like shot on film, but it looks like the kind of like, it looks a little warmer and not like 
super like pristine or digital. It looks like, I don't know. It feels like it's like worn a little bit. Interesting. I am also just hearing you try to like tiptoe through talking about this movie. Like it just seems like it deals with a lot of uncomfortable situations. Randy, just know I will vouch for you and this whole audience. (laughs) Randy is a good person. And I, I know what you're thinking. He called poor Ruth the N word. Uh, That's just her last name. He didn't mean it. But I also think that the black and white frame might just be a race thing. Because, you know, if we're talking about, like, light-skinned black people operating, I think it kind of, like, blends it out and makes it not as important. Which, I don't know. I just, I think that's a really interesting approach. I'm I'm into it. I'm also, Rebecca Hall, I'm I'm terrible with uh, actors and actresses and... And words in general. Yeah, and words in general. Mm-hmm. Post-eating. And, um, Pre-eating. I don't know, man. You got me curious on this one. And I did like The Night House. And when you mentioned her, because you and Clark are great with uh, the actor type, I um, went through her catalog. I, I need to start watching more movies. This week, I only watched one. Well, you don't have time because you're going to read 50 books <laughs> this year. Hey, you know what? You cheat a little bit every now and then. Just don't let Oksana see you and guilt you. That's the key to it. He's guilted you more than anybody. <laughs> Instant, I pulled that book off and I even hid it under another book. I had a graphic novel on top of it. And I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to pad these numbers. And I walked over there and she went, are you going to Sammy Sosa? This <laughs> <laughs> no. And honestly, I figured it out. I went, in, I Googled it. I'm like, why is Goodreads not acknowledging these two hefty books I read? And it's like, oh, you know what you can do? Just put a date anytime in the year that you read it and it will work. And I'm like, bullshit. I did it. It worked. So I got 22. Also, Randy, uh, you watched another movie that I wanted to talk to you about. Oh, yeah. I watched too many things this week. Oh, God. Can you briefly mention it? Because one of the characters portrayed in that movie uh, is going to jail. And I feel like we need to eulogize her. I didn't know. Um, I also watched uh, a retread, uh, which is the scary of 61st. All right, play it. Damn it, it is a retread, and I, w- I even set it up, and I wasn't ready. All right, Randy, pretend like, uh, rewind time again. I also watched a movie, which is a uh, Randy retread, called The Scary of 61st. <laughs> Man, I was really hoping... Oh, it's were- the Russell retread. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> I really wanted you to do the thing again, because you do it really good. The next time. Uh, I forgot about the rewind tape. All right, what'd you we think? We were just doing a second take, though. We weren't rewinding. That's right. Correct. Uh, I overall dug it. I had performances. Uh, you know, everyone really goes for it, especially the uh, one that gets possessed. Um, yeah, she's, she's good. Um, By the way, Randy, it's her first thing she ever acted in. Is it? Yeah, it's wild. Nice. Um, but yeah, I thought it looked cool. Uh, shot on, was it shot on 35 or 16? I don't know. I want to say 35. Yeah. It's probably shot in 35. I know it's uh, being projected in 35. Yeah. It's actually going to show it here at the Roxy on. um, Oh, is it really? Yeah. Me and Oksana thought the date had passed already, but it's on a Monday. So I'm going. I'm fucking thrilled. Is it tomorrow? It's it's in February. Okay. Yeah. So 21st. So yeah, let's go out to that. Big or little? Big. It's got to be. They don't have a projector, um, a film projector in the little one. Oh, yeah. But Randy, you know, I had mentioned um, 
Polanski and really I repulsion is the movie I think of a lot. Well, you know what it reminded me of most because you kind of got, you know, New York city during the uh, Christmas time. And I think there's a reference to it in the movie is eyes wide shut. Oh yeah. Yeah. Dang. I did not make that connection. It's so fucking obvious too. Yeah. Damn. That's really good. And it's very similar. I mean, you know, it's not just her just wandering the streets of New York, but that's kind of the part that I like the most is just her like wandering like streets or like looking at weird architecture with like gargoyles and, on buildings and stuff. And oh, the, the B-roll was incredible. Babies. Well, that was what I was saying is I'm not a fan of New York and I hate how much um, people worship the city and it gets so much love. And I watched this movie and I'm like, hey, I it makes sense to me now. Uh, coat New York with like a paranoia and like a sprawling yeah. urban vibe that makes you feel a little bit trapped. And then your only, um, you know, escape is to be in your little concrete room that's oddly built and yeah. full of its own lore. I'm like, yeah, I understand it now. Yeah, I, I fucking love that movie. And uh, yeah, of course, we're talking about Ghislaine Maxwell, who uh, just uh, further yeah. proof that our court systems do not work. It was found guilty. And uh, An innocent woman is going <laughs> to jail. She's on Suicide Watch, apparently. Well, well, uh, don't be sleeping on her boy, Zeke. Because he's been killing it with the post. Clark I told me he, he put up a uh, memoriam for her that said, uh, you know, had her birthday and then said yeah. the death date was what? Two Some, weeks from yeah, now? Sometimes, <laughs> sometime next week. But yeah. did you see the one he did for Betty White? So he had one for Betty White and uh, it was like, maybe we should reconsider this article. And it was three days before Betty White died, uh, yeah, uh, you yeah. know, RIP. And it said, uh, Betty White talks about her diet and how it's kept her in good health. <laughs> three days later she yeah. died zeke uh shout out to you i it makes me regret even more that we got your name wrong uh as we called uh the film possessions two and not possessions <laughs> also, I, also shout out to jess lane keep fighting girl we're behind you queen <laughs> what is uh what's his instagram it's zekerness i think zekeness yeah i highly recommend y'all zekerness wait okay you're gonna <laughs> See, this is what I'm talking about. Anything I get slightly wrong, even if it's completely understandable, he's just got to double down on it. Because it just sounds so stupid. It's like I'm, I'm clawing my way out of a grave, and the dirt's already coming down, but here you are with the shovel. You just got to help it out, right? Why are you in a grave? <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to keep this. Uh, I saw a bunch of stuff because I'm super cool, but I'm just going to keep it light and tight. Ooh. Ooh. I'm, I'm not. I am not going to talk about Spiderman and how every character outside of James Franco <laughs> was in the new Spiderman. Why? What, happened what about Franco? Dunst? Oh, Dunst. Yeah, the girls aren't in it either. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I was like, why? Yeah, give me, give me a little Kirsten. Give me I a love little, a Dunst. Give me a little uh, Emma Stone. Give me a little uh, Franco. No Franco. Everybody else, including the Sandman <laughs> and uh, the Lizard Guy, <laughs> Reese Fons showed up as the Lizard Guy. He's in it for like five minutes. Like you kind of forget he's even in the movie. And I was like, "Oh, the Lizard Guy's back." So, okay. Wait, is Franco really like out? Like, did he get canceled in like a real way? I mean, the thing is, is that he died. So I don't. But it doesn't matter. I feel like if. 
you know, it hadn't come out that, you know, Franco's a creep or whatever, he'd be in it. No, I, you know, I don't follow this shit that closely. And I, I kind of like Franco, but I also thought it was incredibly uh, funny and believable that he would be a creeper. Well, you know, I'm a Dave Franco fan. Yeah, I know. And nothing <laughs> yeah, like he's still good, right? He's still on the pedestal. Dave- Dave's a solid guy. Um, so what happened? Like, I could imagine Seth Rogen, if he's like your buddy, uh, watch out for the knife. Like, uh, yeah. 100%. Yeah, because that dude will- Scumbag. Yeah. What a rat. <laughs> so, I, you know, I don't believe him. I'm so sick of Seth I Rogen. I fucking hate him. <laughs> oh, dude, his laugh. What is that new movie he's in? Uh, God, the trailer kills me. I'm like, American Pickle? No, he's in a movie that looks <laughs> good. like three except- years old now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it looks good, except he's in it. I think you're excited about it. People call it like, it looks like Cohen-esque. The trailer's right now in theaters. The only movie I'm concerned about is Moonfall. (laughs) Thank you very much. And he's not in it. I, you know, I'm just curious how the same lady gave birth to Joe Rogan and Seth Rogen. I know. It's very confusing. Gosh. (laughs) Opposite sides of the spectrum. Um... Yeah, I saw Spider-Man. It's fine. You know, it's... You, know. you loved it. He came back. It's good. Uh, it's fine. I didn't love it. Um, it's... Man, it's long. Explain the tattoo, then. On your neck. That's a big commitment. Well, you know, I like webs. <laughs> You're like, I'm really into prison art. And uh, I, I saw Licorice Pizza, which was, you know, very cute and fun. And that's, you know... No, don't talk about that. That's, that's all fine. you need to know. The movie that I want to focus on. Ladies and gentlemen, and uh, non-binary pals, as my as my uh, chef friend uh, Kenji Alt Lopez always says, "Guys, gals, and non-binary pals." What I want to talk about is a movie from 1989 entitled Collision Course. Now, I was perusing, for for reasons unbeknownst to me, I do not know how I subscribed to Cinemax on my Amazon Prime account. By accident, (laughs) clearly. I know how. I I cannot recall the event that led me to subscribe to Cinemax on my Amazon Prime account, but I am subscribed to Cinemax. I have subsequently canceled my Cinemax subscription. What the fuck do they even show on there? A lot of old movies. And so I'm scrolling through the Cinemax. And I see a poster. I see a thumbnail, of course. You know, that that's the world we live in, where if you're scrolling through an online Rolodex, you see a thumbnail of a motion picture. Many times it's the poster of said film. And this is a poster in my 35 years of existence. You would think that I would have seen, A, seen this poster, and B, known of its existence, neither of which happened until I saw that thumbnail on this fateful Tuesday night. And this is Collision Course, starring Pat Morita from the Karate Kid franchise and one Jay Leno as a hard-boiled Detroit cop. This film opens up. Jay Leno is in a 1957 Corvette, and he is drag racing on the streets of Detroit with a couple of black gentlemen. And then he gets pulled over, but he's a detective. And then he gets the number of the female detective because he's supposed to be like the bad boy handsome 
cop. Jay Leno has one of the most odd faces we have ever seen in cinema's history. He looks like if George Clooney broke his jaw and it didn't get, it didn't like go back to the shape it was supposed to. (laughs) If there was a giant deformity or if, if, if back to uh, what you told people I had, if George Clooney had rickets, Oh yeah. It would be Jay Leno. But, and this is, let me be very clear. It's the most handsome Jay Leno's ever looked. He looks good. Uh, there's a couple, I'm like, you know what? At this angle, handsome. Then the other angle, he looks like a crescent moon. Clown. Oh, you know, you could call that like Rourke syndrome, what you were talking about. Mickey like a, Rourke? Yeah, like a Mickey Rourke. Well, Mickey Rourke straight up looks like a catcher's mint now. Yeah, <laughs> but back in the day. Uh, Mickey Rourke looks like a piece of beef jerky caught in a dream catcher. Beef jerky with some bone fragments oh, in it? Oh, man. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh, all right. So what happens in now? Let, let's talk about the cast here. So as we talked about, we got Pat Morita, we've got Jay Leno, we've got Chris Sarandon who plays the bad guy. Chris Sarandon, of course, is Susan Sarandon's brother, but you may know him more notably as Jerry Dandridge from Fright Night. So the very debonair vampire, Chris Sarandon's cool. By the yeah, way. I yeah. like Chris Sarandon. Also, the detective in Child's Play. Oh yes. Yeah. Handsome man. Yeah. Ernie Hudson is in this. Uh, we also have Randall Tex Cobb who shows up. Randall Tex Cobb, any movie from the 80s and where you, you have a giant goon in it, it's probably <laughs> Randall Tex Cobb. Used to be a kickboxer. Tom Noonan is in this as one of the heavies. Tom Noonan plays Chris Sarandon's right-hand man. His name is Scully. He is tall. He is gaunt. He takes this role so seriously. I love it when Tom Noonan shows up and stuff like that because this is this is a goofy '80s comedy that uses the word "jap" far too many times. <laughs> Tonally, it is a mess. At the end of the movie, one of the climaxes, Jay Leno is on a motorcycle with Pat Morita. They hit a ramp and they end up going in the Detroit Grand Prix. There is, they used to race Formula One in Detroit. And the whole movie is centered around that. So, of oh, course. Okay. Now, I had no, I had uh-huh. no, nev- I had no net reference of this. <laughs> All right. I know that they used to race in Detroit. And they stopped racing in Detroit because it was the worst race they ever had. It was a terrible uh, track. I, w- I would like to watch that. They, well, Jay Leno races F1 cars in his motorcycle with Pat Morita <laughs> on the back. Riding him like a little spider monkey. Cool. Like Speed Racer. <sighs> Man. And then the Formula One guys are like, get out of the way. <laughs> and Leno's like, you talking to me or my chin? Nah, I wasn't happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> Man. And so, and Tom Noonan takes this role far too seriously. And it's great. That's what he does. I know. It's, it's wonderful. Dude, have you ever seen him in Eight-Legged Freaks? Dude, he's just, the best part of that movie. He's tuned in, man. Yeah. He is just tuned in. It's really so I look. This movie is painfully of its time. Okay? Painfully of its time. The music, oh my god, the closing credits. The this may be my favorite closing credits of any movie I've ever seen. It is a Randy, are you ready for this? It is a split yep. screen freeze frame. I'm going to say that again. 
a split <laughs> screen freeze frame where they're in the airport. Pat Marina's in a wheelchair. We won't get into that. How he got he got, he got beat up. <laughs> Jay Leno's fine, <laughs> and they they split the screen and then they wave, and and Jay Leno's like, "See ya, pal." He's like, "Sayonara, my friend." And then it turns into the cheesiest 80s, 80s music you ever heard in your life. Um, I mean, yeah, look, this movie is, uh, it's all centered around um, Detroit and the car companies. And basically the Japanese uh, industrialists coming in and taking away American jobs. So naturally in Detroit at this time, there's a little bit of... Uh, not too great relationships between America and Japan. And they really hound on that. And um, it's a big part of the movie. And, um, you know, like I said, it's, it's very of its time. But, and if you, you know, have that sort of filter with it, um, this is an enjoyable movie. I had, I had fun with this one. It's ridiculous. Uh, and boy, Jay Leno in action scenes. Mamma Mia. Rough stuff. I'm trying to find uh, the budget was an estimated thirteen million. In eighty nine, it's pretty good, but I can't find how much money it made. Well, because I have this theory that you know, like cult followings or little movies that don't get a lot of attention when they come out, they're the ones that the culture ultimately like holds on to. And like people like me, you, and Randy, um, we'll we'll think of these movies and we'll like cherish them forever. And it's like, then you get the blockbuster shit. And it's like, unless for some reason the culture really identifies with it and keeps it, those are the ones that vanish. So I'm like, I feel like this was probably a huge deal. And one of those things where you're like, oh, this will be a part of everything forever. And there's no need to ever, you know, keep track of anything. And then, you know, a, a decade later, you can't even remember it was released. Yeah. I, dude, did you look up the quotes from this movie on IMDb? No. They're all so boring. So weird. Did you look them up? Yeah. Yeah, like uh, Detective Tony Costas. Stop that garment bag. That, that's a quote on here. Oh, here's this. Uh, Detective Tony Costas, who is, of course, played by Jay Leno, and then investigator uh, Natsuo is, of course. Um, you skipped his first name. Uh-huh. Yes, Come on, give it a shot. Mm -mm. Because I was going to read that one, but I didn't want to try and do the, the first Pat So Jay Leno says to Pat Morita, he oh, says, boo. where'd he go? He says, I'm going to bust your ass. Aha. Bust my ass no good. <laughs> That's the top quote. Yeah. Fujisaka? Fujisaka? Oh, let me tell you something. It's a big part of the movie. Oh, no. His first thing. I, when I said it phonetically, I'm like, uh, it's a big part. I'm telling you. It's most of what the dialogue's about. Dude, Pat it takes a half the movie for them to like each other. Okay. Leno hated him. Uh, Leno was trying to bust him. Uh, it's a classic trope. It, it really is. Sure, of course. Th th everything is tropey about this. There's nothing original. It's just weird and fun. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the power of stars, is it's two people that you're interested in. You're like, I don't care what they're doing. It's going to be a train wreck. Well, yeah. Yeah, and then you throw an F1. It. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if you have a poster in your room of this movie by the end of the month. They, uh, as an F one fan, highly offended. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because Detroit. 
let me tell you something. Formula One is the classiest sport we have. Mm-hmm. And the last thing we need is some Kevin Eubanks loving giant jaw having Conan hating motorcycle riding jerk off interrupting our great race. Doesn't he? He's a car fanatic, right? Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. So, I mean, checks out. Also, he hates Conan. I know. He I does? Know. What are you talking about? I don't about? follow around old fucking late night shows. Okay. I love Conan O'Brien, and I was sad that I hadn't watched it Do for the past decade. Do you the controversy of what happened with no, the late night? I don't fucking- Where were you? I don't read Hollywood Insider. <laughs> you don't have to. All you do is breathe. Okay, you go watch happened? Conan O'Brien Can't Stop and then come back. Yeah. Leno stole The Tonight Show from him because he wanted to come back. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because Leno oh, had that little, like, magazine show that he did before Conan. He's like, hey, I'm tired of this. I want to go back to my show. Oh, and they bumped him. And then they they didn't renew Conan's contract or however it went. Man, I love Conan. I still feel bad about not watching his show. Uh, collision Course, uh, 10 stars. <laughs> <laughs> Was that it? You're really not, not going to do anything else? I talked a lot on that movie. Spider-Man, me? No, Spider-Man's fine. It's just, uh, it's real busy. The, the whole thing about Spider-Man is, it's just, God, you have to be so in tune with all the other 37 yeah. fucking movies. Yep. And remember, like, okay, who's dead? What happened? Where are we? Why don't people care? Yeah. It's like, in so much Doctor Strange. Yeah. And Doctor Strange is like, okay, who could stop him? He's Mr. Time Tunnel Man. Everybody. <laughs> you know? That's, you know, and again, I, I've been thinking a lot about what an actual nerd is, and I think it's somebody who really enjoys thinking about systems and how they work, and Marvel is that. It's like, what do you get when you have 278 superheroes occupying one world? And then you just explore all the stories that come out of it. I get it. I don't like what you just articulated, which is like the cinema commitment you need to have, where it's like, have you watched all the TV shows? Are you caught up on everything? Have you refreshed? I mean, it's not, it does play a little part in it because it's, because you always have to think about, you know, the universe as a whole. Um, well, there's time issues too. Well, now they're going, you know, it, it's all about the, the metaverse or whatever they call it. Multiverse. Well, multiverse. Thank you so much. <laughs> not back not to Zuckerberg, Facebook, right? Yes. <laughs> they got to set up the, uh, the Sam Raimi, Dr. Strange two coming soon. Sam Raimi's doing that. Yep. He's doing the multiverse of madness. <sighs> The Metaverse of Madness. <laughs> Metaverse of Madness. Oh, are you tied in Iron Maiden there? Thank you. Dude, get uh, Bruce Dinkinson in one of these movies. I'll check it out. <laughs> Make him a villain. Uh, the one thing I do want to say about Licorice Pizza, and Randy, oh, Randy I want to know if you caught it. Did you catch the cameo? Oh, I thought you were going to say an STD. I did, yeah. The one that's about, I don't know, half a second? Yes. Yeah. Oh, you got some multiverse shit going on in there? No, John C. Riley shows up as Herman Munster. It's great. And I, did you catch it because of his voice? That's the only reason why I caught it. Yeah, because I think there's like a tracking shot happening and you're like, you barely see can't him. see him really. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's his voice. That's John C. Riley. <laughs> yeah. No, I really enjoyed, I, I really enjoyed Licorice Pizza. It's a, it's a very, very sweet movie. Well, since we're talking about sweet films, I think I'll go over and uh, oh, grab boy. the steering wheel now. As the one movie I watched this week, the one feature film that isn't film fest related, if it's still happening, um, 
is Ebola syndrome. And I was yeah. so happy to watch it with you. I caught you in a rare mood where you wanted to sit down and watch it. Me and Oksana had seen it a long time ago when um, we challenged one of our friends to bring over a, uh, basically he brought a movie marathon in a bag and we told him, hey, we're down for whatever. And we watched five films in a row and he opened with Ebola syndrome. And if, I mean, the film is kind of a... Uh, I mean, where do we start here? Okay, it's it's Herman Yao. He's the guy that did Untold Story that we talked about before and loved. And that was kind of the uh, framing we went into here. Vinegar Syndrome put out a beautiful Black Friday special release of a 4K. Beautifully. Beautiful. It looks so good. It looked really, really good. Um, also, with Vinegar Syndrome, on their first pressing, they always have the limited edition um, slipcover. Beautiful slipcover. Every, you know, I love it when people treat this kind of like lowbrow cinema with like true love. And um, that was kind of the context we went in here was we were going to compare it to Untold Story, which you're a fan of. Now, was that, did Vinegar Syndrome put that out as well? No, uh, Untold Story was put out by Unearth. That's our boy. Really? Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's our homie. So... Again, I'll I'll go into it. I, I have some stuff I want to talk about it, but um, I wanted to open up with what you thought because you came out saying uh, you weren't in love with it. No, I, no, I, I, hmm. um, I think expectations have a big part in this, uh, because I want more. <laughs> well, because you know, again, it, it's always the untold story, and they're like, oh, if you think the untold story is crazy, you need to see the Ebola syndrome. Yeah, so it's always. You know, the way that this was sort of packaged to me is that the Ebola syndrome is a, the next step into, you know, vileness or however you want to package it. Yeah. Um, I, I had a more visceral reaction to Untold Story than I did with Ebola syndrome. Which, yeah, that's fair. Um, also, there are stark similarities between the two. You know... Okay, uh, a long time ago, I used to talk, uh, I used to say this thing that you hated called being too hip for the room. I should set this up a little bit better if you're not familiar with like Cat 3 films in Hong Kong. Um, Good call. Hong Kong is an interesting situation because they were under control of uh, England for over 100 years. And then they went back to being controlled by China. And... Uh, it's kind, it feels kind of like um, in the 90s when they had switched over, they had just kind of figured out their own identity, and they were just getting the hang of like their own kind of little Hollywood, and they had like these really brutal films coming out that were you know loved in England, oddly enough. And um, we watched Untold Story, which is about, uh, it's based on a true event where a dude was murdering people in his restaurant and making them into pork buns. Uh, Again, I we, we mentioned this on a further episode. I uh, had a pizza delivery driver working for me when I managed a roundtable who told me that that was real, and it shocked me. I loved it. They also said they discovered that uh, people were being murdered because he was dumping the bodies in a water tower that was getting the town sick. So this is the kind of stuff we're dealing with. Um, Ebola syndrome, though. Uh, let me. I'll just read from IMDb. A Chinese restaurant worker wanted for murder in Hong Kong contracts Ebola in South Africa, becomes immune to it, and unknowingly spreads the virus there, then comes back to Hong Kong and continues to infect people. Now, the reason... I, now, you had a more visceral reaction from Untold Story, which uh, is a butcher kind of fucking up a family and its business. Yeah. 
Which, I mean, it's a smaller scale story, so I totally get it. You you actually get to, I don't know, root for the family and hope that terrible things don't happen. And then uh, they do. And yeah. they happen in a terrible, like, in creatively terrible ways. Ebola Syndrome kind of has that story in it, and it's just like a footnote. Because he does go to a family restaurant, and he terrorizes them, and he murders them and turns them into burgers. Uh, he also takes a pork cutlet, jerks off in it, and then serves <laughs> it. Yeah, and I believe that's pre him having Ebola. Thankfully, yes. Now he did a lot of vile things. He did a lot of vile things. He was a known spreader of Ebola. So, uh, well, I'll just give you the here to contextualize the tone of this movie. We open up, and uh, our favorite um, uh, Anthony, what the hell is his name? Anthony Wong, yeah, is sleeping with a woman, and. Uh, it's interesting the style of sex they're having. I don't know if I'd call it making love, no. but uh, it was they they were having fun and it seemed consensual. Then, yeah, but uh, it's pretty one sided. <laughs> it's pretty one sided, but you know sometimes people are into that. And uh, yeah, one side. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, midway through this uh, not love making, another male appears and uh, he's not happy about it because apparently that's his wife and they have a daughter. And uh, what happens? It's is, also his boss. It's also his boss. It's also Anthony Wong's boss. So uh, what ends up unfolding is, um, I don't know what, Pulp Fiction-esque, where we have a kind of well-choreographed scene of a uh, triple homicide <laughs> play out in a front room. And then um, the daughter's left. And he leaves. And you're like, okay, this is kind of brutal. And then he comes back and he's like, oh, yeah, you're in there. And he drags her and you're like, oh, God, what is this dude going to do? Well, if you were thinking he's going to pour gasoline all over her and light her on fire, then you were correct. Except thankfully, he doesn't get to. As a neighbor walks in and he goes, hey, man, fuck you. And then like leaves. He pours gas on her. Yeah, he does pour the gas on her. He doesn't get to light her, though. And uh, he flees to Hong Kong where um, or he flees to South Africa where he starts working in a kitchen. He's a vile, disgusting man who a lot of the characters in the film describe by his odor. Um. Then there's this weird, uh, there's this weird subplot where they're trying to get cheap pigs uh, to oh, butcher, yeah. and they end up going to a Zulu tribe, and uh, they drive out, and they encounter every goddamn animal you've ever seen uh, portrayed in South Africa. I think they run into a stampede of elephants. They get attacked by a lion. Uh, there's a jaguar that shows no up. No snakes. Yeah, I think you're right. No snakes. No snakes. No. Uh, no. You know alligators caiman whatever they got now, in south africa whenever you whenever we introduce like a big cat or like a scary dangerous do have, animal do they have the crocodile in south africa I, I would imagine they seem to have all of noah's boat down there and um whenever we're talking about animals like this i know you you probably do what i do and you imagine some like heavy-handed editing that tries to make them look like they're in the same room and they're they're not they're miles away well in this one <laughs> they're there and uh, there's a lot of great footage. I'd compare it to um, Zombie 2, where we have a zombie underwater with a shark. We get a lot of same frame interaction. And I mean, one of them is a uh, great cat is on their, their car, like apparently clawing at the window. This, this movie's just got it all. Um, I'll skip to, to him getting Ebola. He does it because he watches a Zulu woman die, and uh, he not makes love to her also. I guess he didn't think about, like, you know, whenever you see, like, a fish wa washed up on the beach, 
And they're like, yeah, you probably shouldn't eat that because it probably died from something. He didn't take that into consideration, and he came down with Ebola. And um, this film is kind of him just living a, a rebellious life, not caring about anybody, and sharing his uh, disease with them. So, you know, when people compare it to Untold Story, and they're like, this one's so much more fucked up. It's kind of because it's like you could have an Indiana Jones map <laughs> of where he's traveling in the world, and then, you know, have little vignettes of the mayhem he causes. and. Uh, I liked his performance more in Untold Story. Well, I again, when you have a smaller frame, like when you're dealing with a, a more contained story, there's a lot more room for um, emotional crescendos. Where in this one, we kind of, we start at 11 and we stay there. Yeah. Like towards the end, he kind of, it looks like he might settle down with the family, which is a bizarre idea because, hey, she's kind of into it too. I mean, it, it just sucks that as the audience, we know he's got Ebola and like, she's kind of, she's kind of the perfect girl for him because she won't take his shit and she's not dumb. So she's poor and she's married to a meth head, but she's also like, don't fucking kiss me. Go, go brush your teeth. And it's like, has no, why hasn't any other person said that to him? Yeah. Like they always talk about how gross he is, but nobody will just tell him like back the fuck off. And so when she does, you're I don't know. You kind. I don't know if you did. I was like, I wish this could work out. Maybe she'll be immune too. And also, she has a daughter from the other marriage. So you're kind of like, oh, this can't be good for this family. Um, the end of the movie. It it doesn't end well. I'll just leave it there. Uh, this film is film. Uh, this this wouldn't be a fun film for Randy to talk about because there's a lot of head-on racism here. Um. Against white and black people, mostly, as our uh, main characters are Asian, and they think everybody's out to get them, which is, I think is a fair portrayal. I, I, no matter what race you are, you can... Uh, this pairs well with Collision Course. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what dude, a hell of a double feature. Double feature. And um, so, you know, honestly, I'd, shout out to the Cellar Dwellers. They did an episode on this. I think if you want a, a, a you don't want to watch the film, but you want to kind of run through of it. Go check it out. They, they did a great job with it. What I'm going to spend the rest of my time on is talking about the Vinegar Syndrome release. Now, when we threw this in, we were both shocked at how clear and beautiful it looked. Oh, great. And I'm like, wow, dude, I love it. I just, it makes me happy when you go from watching a film that's barely discernible and then it comes over into this, like, I don't know, 4K uh, reality and the gore still holds up. In fact, I would say it actually helps a lot of the gore in this movie. Because, you know, when it's kind of like blurred out and crazy, you can get the Texas Chainsaw effect where you're like, oh, it feels kind of more real. But that's only because when it's clear, it looks so fake. This one? I don't know, man. I, I've seen it before and it was still getting me. There's a moment where uh, our lead character sucks the eyeball out of a woman who's alive. Oh, yes. And you don't see that, but they do a good, like the artistry here is in full effect. Yet when we were done... I was like, dude, where's all the bonus features? Like, I'm kind of bummed. Like, uh, this is such a nice release. Well, today when I went back and I wanted to relook at it and kind of give it a double glance for bonus features, I fucking found the other disc. I didn't realize this was a two-disc release. You dingus. Well, here's the thing. I'm not used to uh, boutiques other than Criterion, including a booklet. This one has a booklet in there. So I was like, oh, interesting. And I didn't want to take it out. I just kind of flipped through it while it was in the case. Well, today I was like, maybe I should read about that, and I, I want to talk about it. And I pulled down, there's the Blu-ray. It was just, it was under the book. 
which means we watched the 4K one, which I didn't even know we could do in the Xbox. Hell yeah. So I don't know if we watch actually a lesser version because I'm pretty sure my projector would have to be a 4K projector to capture it properly. But dude, I don't know. Maybe it's got 4K capabilities. I don't know. Um, anyway, there are bonus features on here and they're, they all look great. There's interviews. There's uh, archival footage from prior releases. I didn't have any time to look into it because I blew my morning uh, researching Fiona Apple. But I did read some of the booklet. And one of the things we were talking about is just this kind of absurdity in uh, just how un-PC these movies are. And I had never thought of it. In the, you know what? I don't, I'm, I'm not feeling up to reading a whole paragraph like I thought I was. Um, in the booklet, they contextualize it in a way where this movie was one of the last Cat 3 films before The Great Handover. And I believe it was 1997. And they, they frame um, Herman Yao in a way where he's fighting against censorship by pushing the boundaries to an extreme level. And I, I really do think there is value in like watching a film that confronts racism head on like this instead of kind of like obscuring it and blocking it out. And, you know, when a long time ago, like I, a few people might remember this, but I came on here and I was kind of pro canceling Pepe Le Pew, which is a weird thing to call back to. Uh -huh. But I, I realized now I was wrong because when the Pepe Le Pew thing came out, the creator came out and he said, are you guys fucking stupid? He's like, Pepe Le Pew is a terrible character. I understand. That's on purpose. Pepe Le Pew is a guy who is a horrible misogynist, and he doesn't get it. And he constantly is treating people wrong, especially women. That's the moral. He loses every time. Pepe Le Pew is a loser. I'm showing children if Pepe the Frog is a winner. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you, like, it's a moral story. And in here, in these films, in, you know, uh, the untold story in Taxi Hunter, the other one we have to watch, um, and Ebola Syndrome, these are ballads. Y Yakuza of, Taxi Hunter? Well, Taxi Hunter is another, it's another pairing of these two. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we can go into that another day, but it, I right. think you'll dig it. We gotta, we gotta finish the Trinity. We do. And the Trinity? Yeah, that's right. Oh, to, end, <laughs> to end this thought, I just think, you know. When, when you start censoring things, we, we put blinders on and we don't really deal with them. And when you're confronted with this, I'd, I think it's safe to say you don't leave this movie cheering for a protagonist. No. And ultimately, by the end, it kind of shows how, um, to keep on theme with the virus narrative we're doing, the town will build its, its immunity will find you. And in this movie, they find him by lighting him on fire. And he kind of gets paraded through town as a victory for everybody as they've come together to put an end to him. And I, I don't know. I, I definitely will applaud that. And when it's this clear, um, I hope it gets a theatrical. And I only say that because uh, last week I teased it. I don't know if you could hear me because I was whispering to the true listeners. But uh, out here in San Francisco, Terror Tuesday and Weird Wednesday are back. The tickets are up online. And if you're a huge fan of boarding house like we are here, uh, go check out the first Terror Tuesday. Uh, Jake, I love you infinitely for opening with that. What a bold statement to make. And um, I hope I go. I wish I could commit to that. But Tuesdays have turned into a production day for us. So I don't know. Oxen, we got to figure that out. 
Maybe we can make it like a post or pre-ritual or something. But I would kill for another chance to watch the only movie that was transferred from video to film and watch it playing screen one again yeah. at our Alamo. Like, talk about a lowbrow, like Ebola syndrome getting a 4K release. I understand. Boarding house getting a film treatment two times in the same theater? I don't know. Or would you go back out, Clark? For boarding house? Yeah. No, thank you. Really? I have an update. Oh, oh, oh uh, no. play, play the music. What's the update? No, 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 no. It's not that. It's it's at nine thirty. We can definitely go after. Oh, oh. <laughs> Randy, they're coming for you. <laughs> Randy, your ride's here. <laughs> okay, I'll well, see you guys later. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, yeah. Um, Ebola syndrome. Uh, if you're not a fan of the category three films, I mean, look into them. If you're a horror fan, that's hey, one. Hold on, hold on. Let me have a quick conversation with Randy. Okay. Hey, Randy. Yes, sir. Do you think they'll be able to make that movie at nine thirty? Uh, I I would say they'd probably show up at at least nine forty five. That sounds about right. All right, I'm done talking to Randy. <laughs> you know, I have a feeling I know what you guys were talking about, and <laughs> I feel like you're probably correct now. Now that I've taken two seconds to think about that, <laughs> oh man, it's depressing. <laughs> I really think you're right, though, and I don't think we have a. We're not in like we used to be, where they would kind of be like, "Yeah, you're good." Just sneak in through from behind the screen. Oh, you're over, Jake. Yeah, but I don't know, Jake. Uh, he strikes me as a dude to be like, you know, the rules. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, and that's why I fucking I like Jake. <laughs> <laughs> hey, producers, when was Jake on here? We should be plugging that episode. It's like October. September. Nobody measures the episode by the month. It was September because he was talking about screenings in October that John didn't go to. So. What number? I don't know numbers, Dave. Oh my god. 276. There we go. Randy wins. My computer's too slow. I know time. All right. Uh, again, of five is among us. If you're a filmmaker, if you know a filmmaker, if you're thinking of becoming a filmmaker, you've got four weeks, and that's plenty of time to produce a found footage film. Do that now. Also, friend of the show. Uh, one of one of the, our top guests that we've had. I don't know if we we don't really keep tallies of how many appearances our um, rotating rolodex of of in house guests have come up, but I think that uh, this particular gentleman is going to be towards the top of that list. And that is our dear friend, Robbie Smith, um, is uh, campaigning for money to make a feature film. And please help him do so. Uh, we love Robbie dearly, and uh, we want Robbie to get all the money in the world to make all the movies in the world. Because we had uh, the displeasure of watching him online in some contest and it was horrible and robbie i'm sorry that you had to be a part of that uh because everyone in there were fucking jerk off <laughs> and you're better than all of them and i'm sorry that this is what the world is that you have to play in these 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 games okay yeah i think he's a four-time guest on this show also uh there may be a little clark little cameo in there so it's on indiegogo so that means he's got a high goal but any money he gets, he can keep. So 
I don't know. Give him something. Go in there. Um, love you, Robbie. And that link is what? Uh, Indiegogo.com slash projects slash grieve. Wait, whose idea was it to read the link out loud? I mean, if you search Indiegogo <laughs> grieve. The links are good, dude. Oh, my God. I can imagine you now with your headphones blasting in your ears. When we Before we started recording, Randy, he had his goddamn earbuds in. They were so loud. I was jamming. Dude, are you deaf now? You have tinnitus, I'm sure. No. Oh, weird. You're, I'm working, almost, you're working towards it. Yeah. That's a fear of mine, dude. I felt like I had it before. Ooh, it hurts. I also tweeted a link to this uh, this morning. Okay, cool. Yeah, so help them out. All right. Any other announcements? Anything else we so. want to plug? I'm sure I'll remember five minutes from when we stop recording. Right. Sounds good. All right, Randy, take us home, baby girl. I know you just asked for any uh, late plugs, but um, just we'll mention that a guest we had on about five, maybe more years ago, as a show on HBO called Chillin' Island, uh, guest Xander Robin. We last we po- we posted his episode a second time on episode one twenty three. So I don't know when he was on first, but it's a, it's a cool show. I got to check up on that. That wasn't five years ago. It was, was it? At least four. Well, we reposted his episode in 123. Do you see that spider? It just dropped from the fucking ceiling. Oh my God. I hate that type of bug. Arachnid. They're gross. They're alien. I fucking hate them. Well, this is their house. And now you got that damn tattoo on your neck. I got to look at all the time. We're just guests in their house. 